Part two of Don Juan in Hell by George Bernard Shaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bob Neufeld. Yes, he shirks all his responsibilities and leaves his wife to grapple with them. Well said, daughter. Do not let him talk you out of your common sense. Alas, Senor Commander, now that we have got onto the subject of woman, he will talk more than ever. However, I confess it is for me the one supremely interesting subject. To a woman, Senora, man's duties and responsibilities begin and end with the task of getting bread for her children. To her, man is only a means to the end of getting children and rearing them is that your idea of a woman's mind i call it cynical and disgusting materialism pardon me anna i said nothing about a woman's whole mind i spoke of her view of man as a separate sex it is no more cynical than her view of herself as above all things a mother sexually woman is nature's contrivance for perpetuating its highest achievement sexually man is woman's contrivance for fulfilling nature's behest in the most economical way she knows by instinct that far back in the evolutional process she invented him differentiated him created him in order to produce something better than the single-sexed process can produce whilst he fulfils the purpose for which she made him he is welcome to his dreams his follies his ideals his heroisms provided that the keystone of them all is the worship of woman of motherhood of the family of the hearth but how rash and dangerous it was to invent a separate creature whose sole function was her own impregnation for mark what has happened first man has multiplied on her hands until there are as many men as women so that she has been unable to employ for her purposes more than a fraction of the immense energy she has left at his disposal by saving him the exhausting labour of gestation this superfluous energy has gone to his brain and to his muscle he has become too strong to be controlled by her bodily and too imaginative and mentally vigorous to be content with mere self-reproduction he has created civilization without consulting her taking her domestic labor for granted as the foundation of it that is true at all events yes and this civilization what is it after all after all an excellent peg to hang your cynical commonplaces on but before all it is an attempt on man's part to make himself something more than the mere instrument of woman's purpose so far the result of life's continual effort not only to maintain itself but to achieve higher and higher organization and completer self-consciousness is only at best a doubtful campaign between its forces and those of death and degeneration the battles in this campaign are mere blunders mostly one like actual military battles in spite of the commanders that is a dig at me no matter go on go on it is a dig at a much higher power than you commander still you must have noticed in your profession that even a stupid general can win battles when the enemy's general is a little stupider most true juan most true some donkeys have amazing luck well the life force is stupid but it is not so stupid as the forces of death and degeneration besides these are in its pay all the time and so life wins after a fashion what mere copiousness of fecundity can supply and mere greed preserve we possess the survivor of whatever form of civilization can produce the best rifle and the best-fed rifleman is assured exactly the survival not of the most effective means of life but of the most effective means of death 
you always come back to my point in spite of your wrigglings and evasions and sophistries not to mention the intolerable length of your speeches oh come who began making long speeches however if i overtax your intellect you can leave us and seek the society of love and beauty and the rest of your favourite boredoms this is not fair don juan and not civil i am also on the intellectual plane nobody can appreciate it more than i do i am arguing fairly with you and i think utterly refuting you let us go on for another hour if you like good let us not that i see any prospect of your coming to any point in particular juan still since in this place instead of merely killing time we have to kill eternity go ahead by all means my point you marble-headed old masterpiece is only a step ahead of you are we agreed that life is a force which has made innumerable experiments in organizing itself that the mammoth and the man the mouse and the megatherium the flies and the fleas and the fathers of the church are all more or less successful attempts to build up that raw force into higher and higher individuals the ideal individual being omnipotent omniscient infallible and withal completely uneludedly self-conscious in short a god i agree for the sake of argument i agree for the sake of avoiding argument i most emphatically disagree as regards the fathers of the church and i must beg you not to drag them into the argument i did so purely for the sake of alliteration anna and i shall make no further allusion to them and now since we are with that exception agreed so far will you not agree with me further that life has not measured the success of its attempts at godhead by the beauty or bodily perfection of the result since in both these respects the birds as our friend aristophanes long ago pointed out are so extraordinarily superior with their power of flight and their lovely plumage and may i add the touching poetry of their loves and nestings that it is inconceivable that life having once produced them should if love and beauty were her object start off on another line and labour at the clumsy elephant and the hideous ape whose grandchildren we are aristophanes was a heathen and you juan i am afraid are very little better you conclude then that life was driving at clumsiness and ugliness no perverse devil that you are a thousand times no life was driving at brains at its darling object an organ by which it can attain not only self-consciousness but self-understanding this is metaphysics one why the devil should i beg your pardon pray don't mention it i have always regarded the use of my name to secure additional emphasis as a high compliment to me it is quite at your service commander thank you that's very good of you even in heaven i never quite got out of my old military habits of speech what i was going to ask one was why life should bother itself about getting a brain why should it want to understand itself why not be content to enjoy itself without a brain commander you would enjoy yourself without knowing it and so lose all the fun true most true but i am content with brain enough to know that i am enjoying myself i don't want to understand why in fact i'd rather not my experience is that one's pleasures don't bear thinking about that is why intellect is so unpopular but to life the force behind the man intellect is a necessity because without it he blunders into death just as life after ages of struggle evolved that wonderful bodily organ the eye 
so that the living organism could see where it was going and what was coming to help or threaten it and thus avoid a thousand dangers that formerly slew it so it is evolving to-day a mind's eye that shall see not the physical world but the purpose of life and thereby enable the individual to work for that purpose instead of thwarting and baffling it by setting up short-sighted personal aims as at present even as it is only one sort of man has ever been happy has ever been universally respected among all the conflicts of interests and illusions you mean the military man commander i do not mean the military man when the military man approaches the world locks up its spoons and packs off its womankind no i sing not arms and the hero but the philosophic man he who seeks in contemplation to discover the inner will of the world in invention to discover the means of fulfilling that will and in action to do that will by the so discovered means of all other sorts of men i declare myself tired they are tedious failures when i was on earth professors of all sorts prowled round me feeling for an unhealthy spot in me on which they could fasten the doctors of medicine bade me consider what i must do to save my body and offered me quack cures for imaginary diseases i replied that i was not a hypochondriac so they called me ignoramus and went their way the doctors of divinity bade me consider what i must do to save my soul but i was not a spiritual hypochondriac any more than a bodily one and would not trouble myself about that either so they called me atheist and went their way after them came the politician who said there was only one purpose in nature and that was to get him into parliament i told him i did not care whether he got into parliament or not so he called me mugwump and went his way then came the romantic man with his love songs and his paintings and his poems and with him i had a great delight for many years and some profit for i cultivated my senses for his sake and his songs taught me to hear better his paintings to see better and his poems to feel more deeply but he led me at last into the worship of woman juan yes i came to believe that in her voice was all the music of the song in her face all the beauty of the painting and in her soul all the emotion of the poem and you were disappointed i suppose well was it her fault that you attributed all these perfections to her yes partly for with a wonderful instinctive cunning she kept silent and allowed me to glorify her to mistake my own visions thoughts and feelings for hers now my friend the romantic man was often too poor or too timid to approach these women who were beautiful or refined enough to seem to realize his ideal and so he went to his grave believing in his dream but i was more favored by nature and circumstance i was of noble birth and rich and when my person did not please my conversation flattered though i generally found myself fortunate in both coxcomb but he gas but even my coxcombry pleased well i found that when i had touched a woman's imagination she would allow me to persuade myself that she loved me and when my suit was granted she never said i am happy my love is satisfied she always said first at last the barriers are down and second when will you come again that is exactly what men say i protest i never said it but all women say it well these two speeches always alarmed me for the first meant that the lady's impulse had been solely to throw down my fortifications and gain my citadel 
and the second openly announced that henceforth she regarded me as her property and counted my time as already wholly at her disposal that is where your want of heart came in you shouldn't repeat what a woman says one it should be sacred to you still they certainly do always say it i never minded the barriers but there was always a slight shock about the other unless one was very hard hit indeed then the lady who had been happy and idle enough before became anxious preoccupied with me always intriguing conspiring pursuing watching waiting bent wholly on making sure of her prey i being the prey you understand now this was not what i had bargained for it may have been very proper and very natural but it was not music painting poetry and joy incarnated in a beautiful woman i ran away from it i ran away from it very often in fact i became famous for running away from it infamous you mean i did not run away from you do you blame me for running away from the others nonsense man you are talking to a woman of seventy-seven now if you had had the chance you would have run away from me too if i had let you you would not have found it so easy with me as with some of the others if men will not be faithful to their home and their duties they must be made to be i dare say you all want to marry lovely incarnations of music and painting and poetry well you can't have them because they don't exist if flesh and blood is not good enough for you you must go without that's all women have to put up with flesh and blood husbands and little enough of that too sometimes and you will have to put up with flesh and blood wives the devil looks dubious the statue makes a wry face i see you don't like that any of you but it's true for all that so if you don't like it you can dump it my dear lady you have put my whole case against romance into a few sentences that is just why i turned my back on the romantic man with the artist nature as he called his infatuation i thanked him for teaching me to use my eyes and ears but i told him that his beauty worshipping and happiness hunting and woman idealizing was not worth a dump as a philosophy of life so he called me philistine and went his way it seems that woman taught you something too with all her defects she did more she interpreted all the other teaching for me ah my friends when the barriers were down for the first time what an astounding illumination i had been prepared for infatuation for intoxication for all the illusions of love's young dream and lo never was my perception clearer nor my criticism more ruthless the most jealous rival of my mistress never saw every blemish in her more keenly than i i was not duped i took her without chloroform but you did take her that was the revelation up to that moment i had never lost the sense of being my own master never consciously taken a single step until my reason had examined and approved it i had come to believe that i was a purely rational creature a thinker i said with the foolish philosopher i think therefore i am it was woman who taught me to say i am therefore i think and also i would think more therefore i must be more this is extremely abstract and metaphysical one if you would stick to the concrete and put your discoveries in the form of entertaining anecdotes about your adventures with women your conversation would be easier to follow ah what need i add do you not understand that when i stood face to face with woman every fibre in my clear critical brain warned me to spare her and save myself 
my morals said no my conscience said no my chivalry and pity for her said no my prudent regard for myself said no my ear practised on a thousand songs and symphonies my eye exercised on a thousand paintings tore her voice her features her colour to shreds i caught all those tell-tale resemblances to her father and mother by which i knew what she would be like in thirty years time i noted the gleam of gold from a dead tooth in the laughing mouth i made curious observations of the strange odours of the chemistry of the nerves the visions of my romantic reveries in which i had trod the plains of heaven with a deathless ageless creature of coral and ivory deserted me in that supreme hour i remembered them and desperately strove to recover their illusion but they now seemed the emptiest of inventions my judgment was not to be corrupted my brain still said no on every issue and whilst i was in the act of framing my excuse to the lady life seized me and threw me into her arms as a sailor throws a scrap of fish into the mouth of a seabird you might as well have gone without thinking such a lot about it juan you are like all the clever men you have more brains than is good for you and were you not the happier for the experience senor don juan the happier no the wiser yes that moment introduced me for the first time to myself and through myself to the world i saw then how useless it is to attempt to impose conditions on the irresistible force of life to preach prudence careful selection virtue honour chastity don juan a word against chastity is an insult to me i say nothing against your chastity senora since it took the form of a husband and twelve children what more could you have done had you been the most abandoned of women i could have had twelve husbands and no children that's what i could have done juan and let me tell you that that would have made all the difference to the earth which i replenished bravo hannah juan you are flawed quelled annihilated no for though that difference is the true essential difference donna anna has i admit gone straight to the real point yet it is not a difference of love or chastity or even constancy for twelve children by twelve different husbands would have replenished the earth perhaps more effectively suppose my friend ottavio had died when you were thirty you would never have remained a widow you were too beautiful suppose the successor of ottavio had died when you were forty you would still have been irresistible and a woman who marries twice marries three times if she becomes free to do so twelve lawful children born by one highly respectable lady to three different fathers is not impossible nor condemned by public opinion that such a lady may be more law-abiding than the poor girl whom we used to spurn into the gutter for bearing one unlawful infant is no doubt true but dare you say she is less self-indulgent she is less virtuous that is enough for me in that case what is virtue but the trade unionism of the married let us face the facts dear anna the life force respects marriage only because marriage is a contrivance of its own to secure the greatest number of children and the closest care of them for honour chastity and all the rest of your moral figments it cares not a rap marriage is the most licentious of human institutions juan really i say the most licentious of human institutions that is the secret of its popularity and a woman seeking a husband is the most unscrupulous of all the beasts of prey the confusion of marriage with morality has done more to destroy the conscience of the human race than any other single error come anna 
do not look shocked you know better than any of us that marriage is a man-trap baited with simulated accomplishments and delusive idealizations when your sainted mother by dint of scoldings and punishments forced you to learn how to play half a dozen pieces on the spinet which she hated as much as you did had she any other purpose than to delude your suitors into the belief that your husband would have in his home an angel who would fill it with melody or at least play him to sleep after dinner you married my friend ottavio well did you ever open the spinet from the hour when the church united him to you you are a fool juan a young married woman has something else to do than sit at the spinet without any support for her back so she gets out of the habit of playing not if she loves music no believe me she only throws away the bait when the bird is in the net and men i suppose never throw off the mask when their bird is in the net the husband never becomes negligent selfish brutal oh never what do these recriminations prove anna only that the hero is as gross an imposture as the heroine it is all nonsense most marriages are perfectly comfortable perfectly is a strong expression anna what you mean is that sensible people make the best of one another send me to the galleys and chain me to the felon whose number happens to be next before mine and i must accept the inevitable and make the best of the companionship many such companionships they tell me are touchingly affectionate and most are at least tolerably friendly but that does not make a chain a desirable ornament nor the galleys an abode of bliss those who talk most about the blessings of marriage and the constancy of its vows are the very people who declare that if the chain were broken and the prisoners left free to choose the whole social fabric would fly asunder you cannot have the argument both ways if the prisoner is happy why lock him in if he is not why pretend that he is at all events let me take an old woman's privilege again and tell you flatly that marriage peoples the world and debauchery does not how if a time comes when this shall cease to be true do you not know that where there is a will there is a way that whatever a man really wishes to do he will finally discover a means of doing well you have done your best you virtuous ladies and others of your way of thinking to bend man's mind wholly towards honourable love as the highest good and to understand by honourable love romance and beauty and happiness in the possession of beautiful refined delicate affectionate women you have taught women to value their own youth health shapeliness and refinement above all things well what place have squalling babies and household cares in this exquisite paradise of the senses and emotions is it not the inevitable end of it all that human will shall say to the human brain invent me a means by which i can have love beauty romance emotion passion without their wretched penalties their expenses their worries their trials their illnesses and agonies and risks of death their retinue of servants and nurses and doctors and schoolmasters all this senor don juan is realized here in my realm yes at the cost of death man will not take it at that price he demands the romantic delights of your hell whilst he is still on earth well the means will be found the brain will not fail when the will is in earnest the day is coming when great nations will find their numbers dwindling from census to census when the six-roomed villa will rise in price above the family mansion when the viciously reckless poor and the stupidly pious rich will delay the extinction of the race only by degrading it 
whilst the boldly prudent, the thriftily selfish and ambitious, the imaginative and poetic, the lovers of money and solid comfort, the worshippers of success, art, and of love, will all oppose to the force of life the device of sterility. That is all very eloquent, my young friend, but if you had lived in Anna's age, or even in mine, you would have learned that the people who get rid of the fear of poverty and children and all the other family troubles, and devote themselves to having a good time of it, only leave their minds free for the fear of old age and ugliness and impotence and death. The childless laborer is more tormented by his wife's idleness and her constant demands for amusement and distraction than he could be by twenty children and his wife is more wretched than he. I have had my share of vanity, for as a young man I was admired by women, and as a statue I am praised by art critics. But I confess that had I found nothing to do in the world but wallow in these delights, I should have cut my throat. When I married Anna's mother, or perhaps, to be strictly correct, I should rather say when I at last gave in and allowed Anna's mother to marry me, I knew that I was planting thorns in my pillow, and that marriage for me, a swaggering young officer hitherto unvanquished, meant defeat and capture. Father! I am sorry to shock you, my love, but since Juan has stripped every rag of decency from the discussion, I may as well tell the frozen truth. Ah, I suppose I was one of the thorns. By no means. You were often a rose. You see, your mother had most of the trouble you gave. Then may I ask, Commander, why you have left heaven to come here and wallow, as you express it, in sentimental beatitudes which you confess would once have driven you to cut your throat? Egad! That's true. What? You are going back from your word? And all your philosophizing has been nothing but a mask for proselytizing. Have you forgotten already the hideous dullness from which I am offering you a refuge here? And does your demonstration of the approaching sterilization and extinction of mankind lead to anything better than making the most of those pleasures of art and love which you yourself admit refined you? elevated you developed you i never demonstrated the extinction of mankind life cannot will its own distinction either in its blind amorphous state or in one of the forms into which it has organized itself i had not finished when his excellency interrupted me i begin to doubt whether you will ever finish my friend you are extremely fond of hearing yourself talk true but since you have endured so much, you may as well endure to the end. Long before this sterilization which I described becomes more than a clearly foreseen possibility, the reaction will begin. The great central purpose of breeding the race, ay, breeding it to heights now deemed superhuman, that purpose which is now hidden in a mephitic cloud of love and romance and prudery and fastidiousness, will break through into clear sunlight as a purpose no longer to be confused with the gratification of personal fancies, the impossible realization of boys' and girls' dreams of bliss, or the need of older people for companionship or money. The plain-spoken marriage services of the vernacular churches will no longer be abbreviated and half-suppressed as indelicate. The sober decency, earnestness, and authority of their declaration of the real purpose of marriage will be honoured and accepted, whilst their romantic vowings and pledgings and until death do us partings and the like will be expunged as unbearable frivolities. Do my sex the justice to admit, Senora, that we have always recognized that the sex relation is not a personal or a friendly relation at all. Not a personal or friendly relation? What relation is more personal, more sacred, more holy? 
sacred and holy if you like anna but not personally friendly your relation to god is sacred and holy dare you call it personally friendly in the sex relation the universal creative energy of which the parties are both the helpless agents overrides and sweeps away all personal considerations and dispenses with all personal relations the pair may be utter strangers to one another speaking different languages differing in race in colour in age and disposition with no bond between them but a possibility of that fecundity for the sake of which the life-force throws them into one another's arms at the exchange of a glance do we not recognize this by allowing marriages to be made by parents without consulting the woman have you not often expressed your disgust at the immorality of the english nation in which women and men of noble birth become acquainted and court each other like peasants and how much does even the peasant know of his bride or she of him before he engages himself why you would not make a man your lawyer or your family doctor on so slight an acquaintance as you would fall in love with and marry him yes swan we know the libertine's philosophy always ignore the consequences to the woman the consequences yes they justify her fierce grip of the man but surely you do not call that attachment a sentimental one as well call the policeman's attachment to his prisoner a love relation you see you have to confess that marriage is necessary though though according to you love is the slightest of all the relations how do you know that it is not the greatest of all the relations far too great to be a personal matter could your father have served his country if he had refused to kill any enemy of spain unless he personally hated him can a woman serve her country if she refuses to marry any man she does not personally love you know it is not so the woman of noble birth marries as the man of noble birth fights on political and family grounds not on personal ones a very clever point that one i must think it over you are really full of ideas how did you come to think of this one i learnt it by experience when i was on earth and made those proposals to ladies which though universally condemned have made me so interesting a hero of legend i was not infrequently met in some such way as this the lady would say that she would countenance my advances provided they were honourable on inquiring what that proviso meant i found that it meant that i proposed to get possession of her property if she had any or to undertake her support for life if she had not that i desired her continual companionship counsel and conversation to the end of my days and would bind myself under penalties to be always enraptured by them and above all that i would turn my back on all other women for ever for her sake i did not object to these conditions because they were exorbitant and inhuman it was their extraordinary irrelevance that prostrated me i invariably replied with perfect frankness that i had never dreamt of any of these things that unless the lady's character and intellect were equal or superior to my own her conversation must degrade and her counsel mislead me that her constant companionship might for all i know become intolerably tedious to me that i could not answer for my feelings for a week in advance much less to the end of my life that to cut me off from all natural and unconstrained relations with the rest of my fellow-creatures would narrow and warp me if i submitted to it and if not would bring me under the curse of clandestinity that finally my proposals to her were wholly unconnected with any of these matters and were the outcome of a perfectly simple impulse of my madhood towards her womanhood you mean that it was an immoral impulse nature my dear lady is what you call immoral i blush for it but i cannot help it 
nature is a pandar time a wrecker and death a murderer i have always preferred to stand up to these facts and build institutions on their recognition you prefer to propitiate the three devils by proclaiming their chastity their thrift and their loving-kindness and to base your institutions on these flatteries is it any wonder that the institutions do not work smoothly what used the ladies to say one oh come confidence for confidence first tell me what you used to say to the ladies i oh i swore that i would be faithful to the death that i should die if they refused me that no woman could ever be to me what she was she who whoever it happened to be at the time my dear i had certain things i always said one of them was that even when i was eighty one white hair of the woman i loved would make me tremble more than the thickest gold tress from the most beautiful young head another was that i could not bear the thought of any one else being the mother of my children you old rascal not a bit for i really believed it with all my soul at the moment i had a heart not like you and it was this sincerity that made me successful sincerity to be fool enough to believe a ramping stamping thumping lie that is what i call sincerity to be so greedy for a woman that you deceive yourself in your eagerness to deceive her sincerity you call it oh damn your sophistries i was a man in love not a lawyer and the women loved me for it bless them they made you think so what will you say when i tell you that though i played the lawyer so callously they made me think so too i also had my moments of infatuation in which i gushed nonsense and believed it sometimes the desire to give pleasure by saying beautiful things so rose in me on the flood of emotion that i said them recklessly at other times i argued against myself with a devilish coldness that drew tears but i found it just as hard to escape in the one case as in the others when the lady's instinct was set on me there was nothing for it but lifelong servitude or flight you dare boast before me and my father that every woman found you irresistible am i boasting it seems to me that i cut the most pitiable of figures besides i said when the lady's instinct was set on me it was not always so and then heavens what transports of virtuous indignation what overwhelming defiance to the dastardly seducer what scenes of imogen and iachimo i made no scenes i simply called my father and he came sword in hand to vindicate outraged honour and morality by murdering me murdering what do you mean did i kill you or did you kill me which of us was the better fencer i was of course you were and yet you the hero of those scandalous adventures you have just been relating to us you had the effrontery to pose as the avenger of outraged morality and condemn me to death you would have slain me but for an accident i was expected to one that is how things were arranged on earth i was not a social reformer and i always did what it was customary for a gentleman to do that may account for your attacking me but not for the revolting hypocrisy of your subsequent proceedings as a statue that all came of my going to heaven i still fail to see signor don juan that these episodes in your earthly career and in that of the senor commander in any way discredit my view of life here i repeat you have all that you sought without anything that you shrank from on the contrary here i have everything that disappointed me without anything that i have not already tried and found wanting 
i tell you that as long as i can conceive something better than myself i cannot be easy unless i am striving to bring it into existence or clearing the way for it that is the law of my life that is the working within me of life's incessant aspiration to higher organization wider deeper intenser self-consciousness and clearer self-understanding it was the supremacy of this purpose that reduced love for me to the mere pleasure of a moment art for me to the mere schooling of my faculties religion for me to a mere excuse for laziness since it had set up a god who looked at the world and saw that it was good against the instinct in me that looked through my eyes at the world and saw that it could be improved i tell you that in the pursuit of my own pleasure my own health my own fortune i have never known happiness it was not love for woman that delivered me into her hands it was fatigue exhaustion when i was a child and bruised my head against a stone i ran to the nearest woman and cried away my pain against her apron when i grew up and bruised my soul against the brutalities and stupidities with which i had to strive i did again just what i had done as a child i have enjoyed too my rests my recuperations my breathing times my very prostrations after strife but rather would i be dragged through all the circles of the foolish italian's inferno than through the pleasures of europe that is what has made this place of eternal pleasures so deadly to me it is the absence of this instinct in you that makes you that strange monster called a devil it is the success with which you have diverted the attention of men from the real purpose which in one degree or another is the same as mine, to yours, that has earned you the name of the tempter. It is the fact that they are doing your will, or rather drifting with your want of will, instead of doing their own, that makes them the uncomfortable, false, restless, artificial, petulant, wretched creatures they are. Senor Don Juan, you are uncivil to my friends ah oh, why should i be civil to them or to you in this palace of lies a truth or two will not hurt you your friends are all the dullest dogs i know they are not beautiful they are only decorated they are not clean they are only shaved and starched they are not dignified they are only fashionably dressed they are not educated they are only college passmen they are not religious they are only pew-renters they are not moral they are only conventional they are not virtuous they are only cowardly they are not even vicious they are only frail they are not artistic they are only lascivious they are not prosperous they are only rich they are not loyal they are only servile not dutiful only sheepish not public-spirited only patriotic not courageous only quarrelsome not determined only obstinate not masterful only domineering not self-controlled only obtuse not self-respecting only vain not kind only sentimental not social only gregarious not considerate only polite not intelligent only opinionated not progressive only factious not imaginative only superstitious not just only vindictive not generous only propitiatory not disciplined only cowed and not truthful at all liars every one of them to the very backbone of their souls your flow of words is simply amazing juan how i wish i could have talked like that to my soldiers it is mere talk though it has all been said before but what change has it ever made what notice has the world ever taken of it yes it is mere talk but why is it mere talk because my friend 
beauty purity respectability religion morality art patriotism bravery and the rest are nothing but words which i or any one else can turn inside out like a glove were they realities you would have to plead guilty to my indictment but fortunately for your self-respect my diabolical friend they are not realities as you say they are mere words useful for duping barbarians into adopting civilization or the civilized poor into submitting to be robbed and enslaved that is the family secret of the governing caste and if we who are of that caste aimed at more life for the world instead of at more power and luxury for our miserable selves that secret would make us great now since i being a nobleman am in the secret too think how tedious to me must be your unending cant about all these moralistic figments and how squalidly disastrous your sacrifice of your lives to them if you even believed in your moral game enough to play it fairly it would be interesting to watch but you don't you cheat at every trick and if your opponent outcheats you you upset the table and try to murder him on earth there may be some truth in this because the people are uneducated and cannot appreciate my religion of love and beauty but here oh yes i know here there is nothing but love and beauty oh it is like sitting for all eternity at the first act of a fashionable play before the complications begin never in my worst moments of superstitious terror on earth did i dream that hell was so horrible i live like a hairdresser in the continual contemplation of beauty toying with silken tresses i breathe an atmosphere of sweetness like a confectioner's shop-boy commander are there any beautiful women in heaven none absolutely none all dowdies not a penn'orth of jewellery among a dozen of em they might be men of fifty i am impatient to get there is the word beauty ever mentioned and are there any artistic people i give you my word they won't admire a fine statue even when it walks past them i go don juan shall i be frank with you were you not so before as far as i went yes but i will now go further and confess to you that men get tired of everything of heaven no less than of hell and that all history is nothing but a record of the oscillations of the world between these two extremes an epoch is but a swing of the pendulum and each generation thinks the world is progressing because it is always moving but when you are as old as i am when you have a thousand times wearied of heaven like myself and the commander and a thousand times wearied of hell as you are wearied now you will no longer imagine that every swing from heaven to hell is an emancipation every swing from hell to heaven an evolution where you now see reform progress fulfilment of upward tendency continual ascent by man on the stepping-stones of his dead selves to higher things you will see nothing but an infinite comedy of illusion you will discover the profound truth of the saying of my friend coerith that there is nothing new under the sun vanitas vanitatum by heaven this is worse than your cant about love and beauty clever dolt that you are is a man no better than a worm or a dog than a wolf because he gets tired of everything shall he give up eating because he destroys his appetite in the act of gratifying it is a field idle when it is fallow can the commander expend his hellish energy here without accumulating heavenly energy for his next term of blessedness granted that the great life force has hit on the device of the clockmaker's pendulum and uses the earth for its barb 
that the history of each oscillation which seems so novel to us the actors is but the history of the last oscillation repeated nay more that in the unthinkable infinitude of time the sun throws off the earth and catches it again a thousand times as a circus rider throws up a ball and that the total of all our epochs is but the moment between the toss and the catch has the colossal mechanism no purpose none my friend you think because you have a purpose nature must have one you might as well expect it to have fingers and toes because you have them but i should not have them if they serve no purpose and i my friend am as much a part of nature as my own finger is a part of me if my finger is the organ by which i grasp the sword and the mandolin my brain is the organ by which nature strives to understand itself my dog's brain serves only my dog's purposes but my brain labours at a knowledge which does nothing for me personally but make my body bitter to me and my decay and death a calamity were i not possessed with a purpose beyond my own i had better be a ploughman than a philosopher for the ploughman lives as long as the philosopher eats more sleeps better and rejoices in the wife of his bosom with less misgiving this is because the philosopher is in the grip of the life-force this life-force says to him i have done a thousand wonderful things unconsciously by merely willing to live and following the line of least resistance now i want to know myself and my destination and choose my path so i have made a special brain a philosopher's brain to grasp this knowledge for me as the husbandman's hand grasps the plough for me and this says the life-force to the philosopher must thou strive to do for me until thou diest when i will make another brain and another philosopher to carry on the work what is the use of knowing why to be able to choose the line of greatest advantage instead of yielding in the direction of the least resistance does a ship sail to its destination no better than a log drifts no whither the philosopher is nature's pilot and there you have our difference to be in hell is to drift to be in heaven is to steer on the rocks most likely bah which ship goes oftenest on the rocks or to the bottom the drifting ship or the ship with a pilot on board well well go your way senor don juan i prefer to be my own master and not the tool of any blundering universal force i know that beauty is good to look at that music is good to hear that love is good to feel and that they are all good to think about and talk about i know that to be well exercised in these sensations emotions and studies is to be a refined and cultured being whatever they may say of me in churches on earth i know that it is universally admitted in good society that the prince of darkness is a gentleman and that is enough for me as to your life force which you think irresistible it is the most resistible thing in the world for a person of any character but if you are naturally vulgar and credulous as all reformers are it will thrust you first into religion where you will sprinkle water on babies to save their souls from me then it will drive you from religion into science where you will snatch the babies from the water sprinkling and inoculate them with disease to save them from catching it accidentally then you will take to politics where you will become the cat's paw of current functionaries and the henchman of ambitious humbugs and the end will be despair and decrepitude broken nerve and shattered hopes vain regrets for that worst and silliest of wastes and sacrifices the waste and sacrifice of the power of enjoyment in a word the punishment of the fool who pursues the better before he has secured the good 
but at least i shall not be bored the service of the life-force has that advantage at all events so fare you well senor satan fare you well don juan i shall often think of our interesting chats about things in general i wish you every happiness heaven as i said before suits some people but if you should change your mind do not forget that the gates are always open here to the repentant prodigal if you feel at any time that warmth of heart sincere unforced affection innocent enjoyment that warm breathing palpitating reality why not say flesh and blood at once though we have often left those two greasy commonplaces behind us you throw my friendly farewell back in my teeth then don juan by no means but though there is much to be learnt from a cynical devil i really cannot stand a sentimental one senor commander you know the way to the frontier of hell and heaven be good enough to direct me oh the frontier is only the difference between two ways of looking at things any road will take you across it if you really want to get there good senora your servant but i am going with you i can find my own way to heaven anna but i cannot find yours he vanishes how annoying bon voyage one ah there he goes Ooh, how he does talk they'll never stand it in heaven his going is a political defeat i cannot keep these life worshippers they all go this is the greatest loss i have had since that dutch painter went a fellow who could paint a hag of seventy with as much enjoyment as a venus of twenty i remember he came to heaven rembrandt ay rembrandt there is something unnatural about these fellows do not listen to their gospel senor commander it is dangerous beware of the pursuit of the superhuman it leads to an indiscriminate contempt for the human to a man horses and dogs and cats are mere species outside the moral world well to the supermen men and women are a mere species too also outside the moral world this don juan was kind to women and courteous to men as your daughter here was kind to her pet cats and dogs but with such kindness is a denial of the exclusively human character of the soul and who the deuce is the superman oh the latest fashion among the life-force fanatics did you not meet in heaven among the new arrivals that german polish madman what was his name ah nietzsche never heard of him well he came here first before he recovered his wits i had some hopes of him but he was a confirmed life-force worshipper it was he who raked up the superman who is as old as prometheus and the twentieth century will run after this newest of the old crazes when it gets tired of the world the flesh and the humble servant superman is a good cry and a good cry is half the battle i should like to see this nietzsche unfortunately he met wagner here and had a quarrel with him quite right too mozart for me oh it was not about music wagner once drifted into life-force worship and invented a superman called siegfried but he came to his senses afterwards so when they met here nietzsche denounced him as a renegade and wagner wrote a pamphlet to prove that nietzsche was a jew and it ended in nietzsche's going to heaven in a huff and a good riddance too now my friend let us hasten to my palace and celebrate your arrival with a good musical service with pleasure you are most kind this way commander we go down the old trap he places himself on the grave trap good 
all the same the superman is a fine conception there is something statuesque about it he places himself on the grave trap beside the devil it begins to descend slowly red glow from the abyss ah this reminds me of old times and me also stop you signora cannot come this way you will have an apotheosis but you will be at the palace before us that is not what i stopped you for tell me where can i find the superman he is not yet created signora and never will be probably let us proceed the red fire will make me sneeze they descend not yet created then my work is not yet done crossing herself devoutly i believe in the life to come crying to the universe a father a father for the superman she vanishes into the void and again there is nothing end of don juan in hell by george bernard shaw